Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Would you like your life to count? I mean, you got to go through a lot in life, don't you? <laughs> a lot of stuff you got to deal with. Would you like to come to a conclusion that it was all worth it? Because my life mattered. My life made a difference. I want to feel that way. And there's lots of things in life that will work against you on that. There's lots of things in life that will come along and say, Dah, you don't really matter. You're just a small piece in this big machine, and, which is a lie. But so we all have this desire, I believe, that God himself puts into us as human beings that our lives should be purposeful. Our lives should matter. Another question. Would you like to be one of those people whom you have observed in life, I'm sure, who, not that you want the tragedy, but you see the huge tragedy that comes into their life and the overwhelming things, and sometimes it seems like one thing after another, and it seems like it's bad, and it, it, then it gets worse, and, and you look at them, but, and you listen to them, and their faith in God is as strong or stronger than it has ever been. Would you like your faith to be like that? Sadly, that isn't always the case. We do see people go through things in life where sometimes they totally abandon their faith. They, they say, okay, you know, God, I'm not gonna believe, whatever, and they walk away. More often than not, their, their faith is just, they're wounded and they kind of withdraw and the faith isn't really what's carrying them through. So we don't want to be like that, right? We don't want to end up with our lives saying, what's the point? I have no purpose for my life. My life doesn't matter. Or what's the point in faith? It doesn't, I mean, we don't want to be there. We want to be someplace different. We want to have, live a life that matters and know it. And we want to ha have a faith that endures whatever comes our way. Well, how do we do that? We're going to look at what Jesus has to say about this today. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. And if you don't have a Bible with you today or have access to one on your phone, uh, there are Bibles underneath the chairs there that are coronavirus free because <laughs> they have not been touched for weeks. All right. We're going to be on page 1188 in that Bible if you need one. And we do encourage you to follow along. So in, in Luke chapter 6 here, uh, Jesus talks about a lot of things we have heard, would have heard about. He gives the Beatitudes again, the same way he had in the Sermon on the Mount. Talks about loving your enemies, not judging. Uh, talks about the blind leading the blind and removing the speck from, or you know, the plank from your own eye before you try to remove the speck from somebody else's. All these things are here. And then the idea of a good tree brings forth good fruit, a good person brings forth good fruit. And then we get to this in verse 46. He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. 
He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. All right, so let's go back and, and talk about what Jesus is saying here. Verse 46, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? What do we call someone who says one thing, but does a different thing? Hypocrite, that's exactly right. Um, we say, you know, it's hypocrite, and that's a, that's a, who wants to be called a hypocrite? <laughs> no, you know, we don't want to do that. Uh, and Jesus used that word for many of the religious leaders of his day, who, you know, publicly said one thing, but really lived a different way. But so he says it to his followers here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? So the first thing I want you to see here today is that Jesus tells us, don't be a hypocrite. This is right at the top, right? Of what he says. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't say, Lord, Lord, and not live like I'm Lord. I mean, what does it mean if he's Lord and we're not? Right? That means he's the one who gets to determine the way things are supposed to be. He's the one who gets to give us direction about what he wants us to do. And we're the ones who listen and follow. All right, so Jesus says, are you gonna call me Lord? If you're going to call me Lord, live like you believe it. Think right now, how would that change your life if when you got up tomorrow morning, you got up and said, Lord, and you thought, what does that mean today that he is my Lord? And then you set out to live that way. It probably change a few things, wouldn't it? I mean, many of you already think that way. I get it, and I'm so glad. But it doesn't hurt to remind ourselves, right? If you're going to call him Lord, you should live like you really believe that, like you really mean that. Well, so what does it mean to call him Lord and live like you believe it? What does it mean? Well, let's look at the next verse, verse 47. He says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, and then he goes on to say, I'm gonna give you an illustration of this, okay? But let's look at those three things. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. So what does it mean to call him Lord and live like you really believe it? Well, first thing it means is you choose to come to him. You choose to come to him. Now. This starts when we come to him for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins that we are all guilty of. We, we come to him as savior. We understand our need of a savior and how he died for our sins and, and rose again. And we place our faith in Christ. We receive Christ as savior. We choose to come to him. But I would say to you that as once we've made that decision and we're inseparably connected with him for, from now on, once we've made that decision, there is still a sense in which every day you and I need to choose to come to him. 
right? We need to choose to come to him and say, Lord, here I am. What do you want me to do? Right? We choose to come to him in the difficulties. We choose to come to him in the happiness. But we're consciously making this choice to draw near to the Lord. And we have a wonderful promise, don't we? Draw near to God and what? What's it say? He will draw near to you. And so it's crucial. If we're going to live like he's our Lord, we need to choose to come to him. Starting with salvation and then each and every day of our lives and, and from moment to moment as we are aware of it. So recognize that you need him and turn to him. So he says, whoever comes to me. And secondly, here's my sayings. So if we're going to live like he's Lord, we need to learn to do what he said, learn what it is he's saying to us, right? Let me tell you what happens. I, and I've, I notice it more and more as we go on because can I talk like an older person? The reality is that the world has changed since I came to Christ. The, the world around me, the culture of the United States of America has changed since I came to Christ. When I came to Christ, there was a fairly broad knowledge of basic Judeo-Christian beliefs and understanding of the world. And, and at that time, if I could have an opportunity and I get to sit down with someone and show them what the Bible says about a relationship with Christ, they would say, wow. And, and they, they were open to that because they had in their mind that God did talk to us from the Bible. Right? That's where we were starting. Uh, still, they need to grow. Lots of things need to change. But today, and many of you have come to Christ not in that, from that environment I'm talking about, in a very different environment. And when we come to Christ, we have this, I mean, do you remember when you received Christ as Savior? You had this intense desire to do what you were supposed to do. You wanted to live the right way. And if you had things in your life that didn't belong, you knew they didn't belong and you didn't want them there and you wanted to change them. And, and, but your beliefs about the world and how things work, you, you were excited, you wanted to know. Well, what happens today is that someone comes to Christ and they feel exactly the same way. But they aren't starting with a biblical understanding. And so what they automatically bring into this is their own beliefs about what's right and wrong. And maybe they're mostly right, maybe they're not. You know, what's good and acceptable? What is a Christian like? How does a Christian think? They have... Uh, Every person who comes to Christ has in their own mind all of these things and the ways they think. They, this is good, this is not good, all kinds of stuff. But the problem is, is that what they think is good may not actually be good. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Well, being a Christian means this, and, and we just accept everybody and everything, and we never, I mean, we do accept everybody the way Christ has accepted us. And the way Christ has accepted us is to, to accept us unconditionally and then say, hey, you know what? This part of your life needs to change. Right? That's a whole process that goes along. And so uh, we need to consciously learn what he says. 
And, and of course, this is going to come from the mouth of Jesus himself, the writings about him, but it's also going to come from the whole word because Jesus talked about this, this Bible being the revelation of God to us. And so what all of us need to do, even those of us who have been believers for many years like me, I, I need to and you need to keep this mindset that, you know, what I think about things may not always be right. I need to be alert to that. I need to be open to God to show me. Hey, Walt, I know you've thought this way for a long time, but it's not really right. We need to adjust this. Okay? And so just understand that if you came to the Christian life without, you know, a solid biblical understanding of the world, just realize you may have a bunch of things that you think are right and good, but actually don't line up with the way God said things ought to be. All right? So part of this living as though he is Lord, and as we actually believe, we call him Lord and we live like it. We need to learn what he says from the word. And it's his thoughts we need to think. It's, it's his ways of looking at the world that we need to learn to look at the world. And whatever needs to change in our thinking for that to happen needs to happen. Okay? All right. And then the third thing. So he says, choose to, you know, he, who, excuse me, where am I? He, he comes to me and then hears my sayings and then does them. We need to learn to live the way he says. Live the way he says. And I was take those truths and things that we're learning and, and then put them into practice and say, okay, wow, that's, this is what God says. Well, what does that mean here? What does it mean in my marriage relationship? You know, I'm married and I'm thinking I'm doing what I'm supposed to do when I'm married, but God says this and wait a minute, that, oh, I guess I need to make some changes. You know, we put that into our work habits. We put that into our relationship with our neighbors and, and we put that into our finances and we put that into whatever, right? We need to learn what does he say and then do that. And so, this is how we live the Christian life, not as hypocrites. You know, you can be wrong and make mistakes and not be a hypocrite. But when you become a hypocrite is when you realize, wait a minute, I see that God says this and this is different. Okay, I say that, but I'm not gonna change this. And I start saying one thing and I'm doing another and we don't wanna be there. If you've, if you've received Christ the Savior, if you have chosen to come to him, deep down inside you never want to be there. So this is God's way of life for us, to, to come to him, to choose to come to him as Savior, to choose to come to him all the time, and then to keep learning. What does he say? And then to say, okay, what does that mean? How do I live that out in my life? This is, this is how he has uh, his way of life for us. And doesn't it make sense that we would live that way? I mean, who designed you? God designed you. Who knows best about how you should live your life? Not only for his purposes in your life, but for your blessings, for God's blessings in your life, right? God never tells us to do anything that's going to be detrimental to us. Now, he might tell me to do something that would cause me to lose my life, but I tell you what, that's not detrimental to me. If I lose my life, guess what? I'm leaving the pandemic and the riots to you. Right? But he won't do anything that's detrimental to me, okay? He's going to work in my life, and just him being in my life is such a blessing that if he never blessed me in any other way, I've been blessed exceedingly. 
And as we, as we live this way, God shows us that life is not about us. And we're part of it, but it's not, life is not about me. Man, I don't like to say that in front of anybody. Life is not about me. Life's not about you. Life's about the Lord and what he wants to do in me and what he wants to do in you and what he wants to do through me and what he wants to do through you and us together and we go on and on. But it's about the fact that our lives are more than just, uh, the point of our lives is not just to be comfortable. And the point of our lives in the United States, we, think, you know, we want the good life, but that's not the point of our lives. The point of our lives is coming to the Lord and saying, you're Lord, what do you want? How am I supposed to look at this? What am I supposed to do? And then surrendering ourselves and doing those things. It gives us an eternal perspective on our lives. And, and can you see the value in this present time of having an eternal perspective on life? If it's all about the here and now, man, we are in big trouble, aren't we? And maybe you take to the streets. But if it's not all about the here and now, and we understand there's an eternal perspective and that, you know, that can change how we think, what we do, and how we feel about so many things. And the idea is that our life is about Christ and following him. So these things, this is how you build a life that matters and a faith that endures. You say, Lord, and you mean it. And you come to him and you learn and you do. That's how your life matters. That's how your life doesn't get wasted. And you can waste your life. And we'd say certainly those who don't know the Lord end up with lives that are not, you know, they, people matter, absolutely. What I'm talking about, but their life ends up not accomplishing anything that's eternal, right? Um, but I want you to see this, that we as Christians, we've chosen to come to him and thankfully when he saves us, he saves us forever, doesn't he? That is such good news, but the reality is it's still, we gotta keep making choices to come to him and to listen and to do and to turn to him again and listen and do. And we need to keep, and as Christians, we can slip away from that. And that's the challenge of Jesus. Why do you call me Lord? And you don't live like it, okay? So this is the hypocrisy. But so this idea, living this way, is how you build a life that matters and a faith that endures. Now Jesus goes on and he gives us an illustration to help us understand the significance of this. So let's go on, verse, uh, he, in the end of verse 47, I will show you whom this man is like. The one who comes to him, the one who hears his sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house. This is our life. Our lives, we're building the house here. Who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and it could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. Pretty easy illustration to see, right? Okay, he's building a house and he digs, and he, he has to dig, he digs down deep to get to the solid rock, and this is where the foundation is laid. And, and what is the foundation? See, this is, he said, Jesus says, the one who chooses me and, and who listens to me and does what I say, lives the way I say, he's like this, he's like a man who, who builds a house, but he starts with what? 
a foundation on the rock, an unmovable foundation. What is that foundation? Well, Jesus already told us what? It's choosing to come to him. It's listening to what he says. And then it's learning to live the way he says. That's the foundation. That's the foundation for everything else that's going to be built on this. And so this, if we can settle this, that, that I, am, I, I am coming to him, you know, I've come to him in salvation, I'm coming to him every day, uh, and I'm coming to him sometimes moment by moment, and I'm listening to what he's saying and trying to understand it, and then I'm, I'm living the way he says, the best I know how, I'm really I'm consistent. That is that foundation for everything else we do in life, if we're living the way God says. And then when we live this way, it doesn't matter what storms come. By the way, did it say if you'll lay this foundation in Christ, no more storms? And Jesus didn't even say if the storm comes, did he? He says, and when the storm comes, and the storm comes, and it, it, the water, just, the flood comes up, and it doesn't just hit, it, what it beats against it vehemently. And those are the things that happen in our lives. Okay, and, and so w w I don't know what those are in our lives, but here we go, right? So we're, we're parents and, and we have kids and maybe they, as they get older, all of a sudden you learn something, decisions they've made in places there are, and the flood beats against you. Maybe you have been in a situation in life where sadly a, a spouse said to you, I'm out of here, and the flood beats against you. You, you hear from the doctor and they use the C word. You have cancer. And it beats against you. And it beats against you, right? And life, that's going to happen, isn't it? Sometimes it's, it's not as bad as other times. Sometimes it can be huge. Those things come. But if your life is already built on, I have chosen to come to Christ. I'm, I'm learning what he says. And I'm living the way he says. Jesus says when this comes and comes and comes and comes and comes, it beats vehemently against you. Then when all is said and done, your life will have mattered greatly and your faith will have endured. Okay? Crucial that we understand that. Because this is what we need to understand. I think I've already made clear. But a life that matters and a faith that endures must be built from the bottom up on a solid foundation. The only solid foundation. The Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want a life that matters and you want your faith to be able to endure, you must build on this foundation and this foundation alone. In fact, I, I want to show you something here. Well, before I do, let's, let me talk about this. Uh, as I already said, this, the uh, storms of life are inevitable. And the inevitable storms of life, when they come into your life, the inevitable storms of life will, first of all, clarify our sense of God's purpose for our lives. You know, go ahead and go to that, Anthony, if you would. The inevitable storms of life, first thing it's do is going to clarify our sense of God's purpose for our lives. And, and the reality is because sometimes it's in the middle of that that our, some of our purpose becomes clear. I tell you what, when you are bumping along and I'm bumping along, life is good. You know, we got enough money to pay the bills, a little left over to enjoy it. Our health is good. Our family is around us and life is pretty good. You know, the biggest decisions you're making are about 
What do we want to do next? What fun? You know, that's the way we feel. But when the storms of life hit and you start saying, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? Sometimes it's there that we find some very clear purpose of what I need to do now. This is what God has for me to do now. And I found that in the storms. And in my own life, I would say, you've certainly not always done this perfectly, but overall approach life. I want to live like this. And that when the storms of life have come, and there have been some in my life, and by the way, we can't ever compare our storms to other people's storms, right? If you have a bad storm, it's a bad storm. It doesn't matter how it compares to somebody else's. So I've had some big storms in my life, and I do not know where I would have been if that foundation was not laid, the foundation of Jesus Christ and my relationship with him. I don't know where I would have been. But in those times, sometimes I've got great clarity about this is what my life is about. I need to do this. I need to be, this is what God himself has given me to do. And, and those times when actually I was left with no other choice but to do whatever needed to be done. Thank you, Lord. I know I'm doing what you have given me to do. Because sometimes when life is easy, we make decisions. It's kind of like, Lord, is this what you want me to do? <laughs> but some, when the storm, sometimes become very clear. This is God's purpose for me in my life right now. All right, second thing, the inevitable storms of life will strengthen our faith in God, his word, and his working in our lives. Because it's in those storms that, that you resort to him very consciously, very purposefully. Now, let me tell you what happens, and it's, it's sad. But over the years, uh, you know, I've seen, and I'm sure Dave's seen, and probably all you guys have seen, um, there are people, Christians, who are living very peripheral to Christianity. You know, they're just kind of on the edge, and they aren't, they aren't really living the way we're talking about. You know, Jesus could say, why do you call me Lord and not do the things they say? And then massive storm breaks into their lives. And all of a sudden, they try to start talking like a Christian. And they try to start thinking like a Christian. And God in his grace works in their lives and helps them. But the reality is, as many times I've seen it, they, they don't make it. I mean, they don't make it through that storm with the conscious awareness of what God's purpose in their lives or a faith that endures. They just don't. Because when the storm hits, it's kind of late to lay the foundation. That makes sense? Okay. But when we have laid the foundation, doesn't mean we're perfect, doesn't, you know, but we're, we're sincerely working to live this way. And the storm comes and things are ripped away from us, things that we counted on, things that we thought sometimes are changed, all these kind of things. For those who have laid this foundation, it deepens your faith. It strengthens your faith. It's like we talked about a few weeks ago. It purifies your faith. Peter said this in his first letter. He said, you have been grieved by various trials, storms of life, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God is working on your faith and purifying it. All right, so the, the third thing is this. When the inevitable storms of life come, when all is said and done, they will point back to the only sure foundation for our lives. Let me show you, look at the word again. Let's look at the word. Verse 48. 
He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. Remember that foundation is, is choosing Christ, learning what he says, doing what he says. It's Christ. He laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose, the storm beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it. And what do we end up noticing? That it was what? Founded on the rock. So who does the glory go back to? The Lord. After the storms of life, and, and you have a purpose in life, and your faith is endured, it's not you who we see, it is the foundation, Jesus. And all that he's done and doing in our lives. Now contrast this with the person who, who builds his life on without a foundation, verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So notice the contrast. The, the man who built on this foundation, we're talking about the foundation of Christ and a relationship with him and uh, all that goes along with that, that's the foundation. When the storms are done, what do we notice? The foundation, it's Christ. The man who doesn't build on a foundation, the storms of life come, what do we end up looking at? The ruin of that house. That's the difference. One has Christ and the other does not. And, and there is, again, this sense in which a Christian can, can uh, someone can become a follower of Christ, get saved, receive Christ as Savior, but then not end up living like this. And so there's sort of a foundation, right, but not, it's not there, right, when the storms of life come and, and they can experience it. You and I can experience that, folks. If we don't take this seriously, we can find ourselves in a place where, like I said, we're all of a sudden, we're trying to, to dig a foundation in the middle of the storm. We don't want to do that. So uh, this week I had asked on Facebook a few days ago, actually, what do people, besides God and the Bible, besides relationship with Christ and the Bible, what, do, what are some things that people try to build their lives on? And great response. And I captured most of them. There's a few more that came after. The only one response that I saw was only one negative thing in revenge, and I didn't include this on the list. Okay, but I want to show you something. Look at these things that people build their lives on. I'm not going to read the list. You can see it. But people build their lives on all sorts of things. They try to have these things as a foundation. But I want you to notice, Jesus says there's only two choices here. Verse 48, he's like a man, the man who comes, listens, does. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Verse 49, but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation. That's only two choices. You can try to make these things a foundation, but guess what? They aren't. They are not a foundation. Jesus makes very clear that the only foundation is him. Anything else is not a foundation. Okay, and you can try to build your life on it all you want. Now, I think our tendency as human beings is to try to build our lives on these kinds of good things. Now, now, why is that? Why do we tend to do that? Well, I think it's because, just be real straightforward with you here, it's because when we choose to build our lives on that instead of on God, 
We don't have to surrender. I'm still in charge. I have chosen this good thing, that good thing. But we need to remember, we will all be hit by the floodwaters of life's storms, right? We all will be hit. And if we have built, tried to build our life on these kinds of things instead of this relationship with Christ that we're talking about, if we try to build our life on, I don't care how good thing it is, because here's the deal, good things can never replace God. And lots of people want to do that, you know, because they might hear the gospel or hear the word or whatever and say, no, 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 but I'll do this good thing. Right? And they feel better about it, don't they? How do this good thing? But see, it doesn't require them to surrender. And I want to warn you as a Christian, be careful you don't do that. Be careful that you don't come to places in your life where it's very clear that God has said something and you go, no, nah, but, but I'll do this. Don't do that. It can never replace God because when the storms of life come, God, Christ, our relationship with him, when, when we dug deep and that's where we are, we, we make it through the storms of life. We have purposeful lives and we have faith that endures. But if you want to build your life on this other side, what's he say? What's going to happen? If you aren't building your life on him, what's going to happen? The house is going to come apart. One way or another. So what are you building your life on today? Your answer really matters. It really matters if you have received Christ as Savior or even if you have not. It really, really matters because here's the thing. So the storms of life are going to come. We've talked about they are inevitable. They are going to come. But the greatest storm you will ever face is the final storm of life. And that is death. Dying and standing before God. So the Bible says that's what will happen. When that storm hits us and it hits us, this flood, a wall of flood water hits us and we, we go kick and scream. We don't want to go. Naturally, we want to live, right? But it comes. And do we get a choice at that point? When our time to die comes, do we get a choice? No. So this we will be swept away, at least out of this life. And then the question will be is, do we have a foundation? What was our foundation? And, and, and so in Hebrews 9, the author says, each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. And if you've never received Christ as Savior, if you've been choosing good things instead of Jesus, you will be shown to be guilty before God of rejecting him and you will be separated from him forever in a place called hell. That's, that's what you're looking at if you have not laid this foundation in this life. And we lay this foundation by coming to him saying, oh God, I understand I have not done your will. I, I have not lived your ways. I have not been yielded to you. I've sinned against you. And I need a savior. I need forgiveness. And, and then we believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he was. And we start calling him Lord, Lord, right? We place our faith in him and, and he forgives every sin and gives us eternal life. And, and so when this life ends, we face judgment, we have a foundation and that 
It'll stand. We'll, we'll be with God forever. That's a decision you need to make if you haven't made that. Those of you watching, if you have questions, please write in, call in. We'd love to talk to you about it. Same here for all of you who are here. But then there's a sense in which for us as Christians, we also face a different kind of judgment. If we have received Christ as Savior, then, then we will be with him in heaven. But there's going to point, some, uh, come a point in time, it's called the judgment seat of Christ, where we're going to sit down or stand up or what are we, with Jesus. We're going to be, meet with Jesus, and we're going to take a look at our lives. And he's going to say, wow, you chose, to come, you chose to believe and receive me as Savior. Such a good decision. Now let's look at everything else. And I'm telling you, at that point in time, the only thing that will matter to us is we will wish that we had lived, we had done a better job of listening to what he says and living the way he says, right? Because all we will want to do is be pleasing to this one who has loved us and saved us. And the Bible talks about some tears and stuff that goes on. I don't know exactly how it all works. But I'm saying to you, those who have received Christ, don't say, oh good, I'm all set. No, 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 take the challenge today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? And it is in choosing him and learning what he says and, and living the way he says that you will find purpose in life. Your life absolutely will matter. And you will have a faith that will endure whatever comes your way. And, and all the bad things that happen only serve to strengthen it. When you lay this foundation and build your life on it. And so you got to build from the bottom up on the foundation of Christ and your relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your son Jesus spoke so clearly to his followers then and to us today. God, I pray that you will challenge us, those of us who have come to your son as savior and we, we've been forgiven. I challenge us, Lord, each and every day to, to come to you again and, and to learn more and to understand better and to be willing to exchange our own ideas and thoughts for yours. And Lord, that then we might see what that means, how we live it, and that we would yield our, ourselves to you. We would surrender to you again and again and again and do what you say, knowing that our lives will have great purpose and we do, and our, you'll strengthen our faith, the faith that will endure forever, Lord, and we can serve you in ways that just make an eternal difference. And Lord, I do pray for anybody who's here or who's watching who has never made that first time decision to come to you and receive Christ as Savior. I pray that they would do that. They just open up their hearts to you and say, yes, Lord, that's me. I receive Christ. I pray they do it right now. I pray, Father, if they're struggling or have questions before or after that they would reach out, Lord. We want to, to help them. So thank you again, Father. Pray we'd leave here today, go out and live as shining lights providing hope to this lost world around us as we live with you and for you. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you guys. Go live it. <laughs>